Isn't it time somebody finally heard you? I mean, really, you know, podcasting is one of the most powerful mediums out there for delivering a message, whether it's telling stories, having fun, or maybe especially promoting your business. But hey, you're not a sound engineer, so how do you get it going? Buzzsprout has everything you need, including a great library of tutorials and resources, recommendations for gear, and a set of tools to help you get listed on every major podcast platform. You don't have to be a broadcast or sound engineering ninja to get up and running in just a couple hours. So just do it. Let the world hear what you have to say. Buzzsprout is the easy way, and here's the easy path to their door. Go to bit.ly forward slash start casting. Again, that's b as in boy, it.ly forward slash start casting and sign up. When you use this link, you'll also get a $20 Amazon gift card. How nice is that? Don't just think about podcasting. Go to bit.ly forward slash start casting today and get your voice out there. If you're a dog lover like me and are looking to adopt or foster from a fully vetted placement organization with actual vets on the team, no pun intended, and you live in the Pacific Northwest, you need to know about Must Love Dogs Northwest. Must Love Dogs is a 501c3 nonprofit, all-volunteer organization dedicated to ending pet homelessness. They work to rehome dogs that are abused, neglected, and homeless, or about to be homeless, and those in shelter settings. Must Love Dogs offers spay-neuter services, microchip assistance, training in lieu of surrender, and provides compassion grants for those in need. So, if it's time to bring a new dog into your heart and home as a full-time family member or foster a homeless pup, or if you want to donate or support a fundraising event or volunteer, give Must Love Dogs a call at 844-364-7690. Again, that's 844-364-7690. Or visit them online at mustlovedogsnw.org. Again, that website, mustlovedogsnw.org. This is Drew Zagorski. You're listening to You Don't Say. Thanks for that. Don't forget to follow and review us wherever you listen to podcasts or at youdontsay.net and share with your family, friends, and everyone else you know. So here's the story. Well, we're closing in on the end of the fall school semester. Some studies are now coming out that the rate of COVID infections in schools is actually higher than previously reported. And that kind of makes sense. I mean, schools are really incubators, right? My own sister... A school teacher in Wisconsin is a living case study. Her school district chose to ignore all of the issues. Now Wisconsin is a hot spot, and she was hit with COVID about a month ago. Earlier this year, I talked with a teacher about what she saw as issues and a few benefits of remote learning. Well, there were a lot of issues, including older school buildings that had poor ventilation. That's kind of what my sister experienced. But most of the problems she spoke to were psychological and had to do with teachers' abilities to help kids in need. A couple months after I talked to Tracy, I spoke with Nicole Dreisky in episode 29 about how teachers and parents can partner with their students and children to help them stay focused and on task with their schoolwork. So those conversations got my mind going, and I began to wonder what an actual student would have to say about it now that we've been in this mode for two semesters. Not only that, but I was curious about how remote learning is impacting kids who are on the cusp of leveling up from middle to high school. Enter the mighty Quinn. Quincy is an eighth grader attending a private school. She's been in a lockdown since around January when the first news of the pandemic hit. 
She's been attending school from home since then. In addition, her mom has challenges with multiple immune-suppressing conditions, which makes her situation a whole lot more hypersensitive. So I'll be talking with her about that, how the remote learning thing is working for her, how her social life has changed, and where she's at in terms of looking ahead to high school. Teachers' takes are valid. Learning specialists know what they're talking about, but Quinn, Quinn is where the rubber meets the road in terms of how we're educating kids in this lockdown pandemic world. She's a smart young lady, very well-spoken, and I'm sure she's got an opinion on what's happening in her world. So joining me is Quinn C. Um, as I mentioned in my opening comments, Quinn is a, a, an eighth grader at a private school. And so kind of on that cusp of eighth grade to high school. And we want to talk to her about remote learning. So Quinn, thanks for joining today. Hi. Tell us a little bit about your experience with remote learning. Now you started, you really kind of went into the lockdown a little bit earlier, I think, than the rest of the world last January. Yeah, I think it was a bit later than January, maybe more towards February, but we did close down earlier than some schools. And, you know, in the beginning, it was almost like our school didn't, uh, you know, nobody thought it would last this long, but it was sort of a temporary thing. Like, they didn't even tell us to take home all of our materials. They suggested that we did just in case, but they really didn't expect us to be in lockdown for a long time. So originally, it was sort of just like my school trying to be, um, I don't know, have safety precautions. Um, So we close a bit early. Right. And well, on top of that, your family situation is a little bit different because your mom has some conditions that she's dealing with that leave her in an immunosuppressed state. So I'm sure she's, you know, was paying more attention and had her ear more tuned to Um, what was going on, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, She has two autoimmunes. Um, so she has to take immune suppressant drugs. So she's definitely in the high risk category. Um, so she was definitely glad that my school decided to close down. Um, I think she was saying that if they didn't, she was going to reach out to them and ask what their plans were, but they did. So, yeah. Right. Okay. So you, so now you're kind of weeks away from finishing the fall semester Mm -hmm. and pretty much the whole spring semester. What's your take on remote learning. Do you think you get more out of it than than in person less what works what doesn't? Well, the issue I think it really depends on the person and on the school. Um but my school is a Montessori school um which is, you know, very hands-on learning, a lot of material-based learning which is probably the hardest thing to do um remotely. So especially for younger children in a Montessori school, it's it was very, it's a difficult transition. Um, but some people adapted easier or more easily than other people did. Um, but yeah, I think, I think some people find it a lot easier. I don't know if students view it as getting more out of the learning, but some students think it's easier because we don't have to do, um, longer meetings and lessons and everything's sort of shorter on the um, presentation. And, but then as far as follow-ups, some people, really struggle and it can take longer. Like I was in a sort of group of people who felt like, especially with our initial transition to remote learning, felt like it was a lot more work because I don't know, it's just without teachers in there to help you. If you have any questions, you kind of just have to figure it out on your own. 
Right. Although our teachers are very responsive with emails, like they're very good at responding to us quickly. So that's nice. Right. So in terms of that, did you have a hard adjustment? I mean, I know, you know, myself, I work from home and I have for 15 years now. Right. So the whole lockdown thing was not a change for me really at all. Mm -hmm. Um, But I know a lot of other people that I that are in my own professional circle tried the work at home thing and they just couldn't do it because yeah. either either they just missed being around other people or they you know they fell into the trap of not being disciplined about yes focus exactly. did you have a, tr- a hard transition with that or well i think honestly i didn't really have an issue emotionally with transitioning i know it really stressed some people out I was okay with that. And, um, personally, I didn't think it, I don't really miss being around people that much. Like I'm, I wouldn't really consider myself an extrovert or an introvert, but, um, I, I'm kind of indifferent about that. Like I'm, I don't really miss my friends as much as they tend to miss me sometimes, but, um, but so like, I'm generally okay with being at home. Like just the being at home part is fine, but just the way that, um, sort of the way that the online learning works, you know, and just getting used to that. It did take some adapting, but I mean, I got used to it pretty quickly. Um, so for me personally, I didn't think it was that, I don't know, hard to change with, I guess. Right. Right. So let t- talk to me about the social aspect of it again. I mean, it, you know, I heard, heard what you said, but you know, for me, the social aspect of things, not so much in terms of school activities, but just that's where I saw my friends every day during the day and being able to goof around and get in trouble and do all that kind of stuff. What sorts of things do you miss or just you don't about that aspect of the school? Experience? Oh, for sure. Um, well, I mean, I know I said that I'm, I don't miss being around people that much, but of course I miss um, being able to see my friends in person. Like it's just really different, even though we can still see each other on FaceTime or in our Zoom classes, if they're in the remote group in my school, then, you know, we can still see each other, talk to each other, but of course it's different. And I think right now, um, the worst part or the part that impacts the most of us um, socially is my school does have an in-person option right now. Originally, when we closed down all through the end of last school year, we did not. But mm-hmm. at the beginning of this school year, they decided, you know, you can choose to be in the remote cohort, as it's called, or an in-person cohort. And there are, I want to say, four or five in-person cohorts in my classroom. And there's one remote cohort, which I'm in. And a lot of the people in the remote cohort have parents who are high risk or um, have autoimmune diseases, disorders. So it's usually for the same reason as me that they decide to stay home. But so the issue with that is it's so weird because even though we can contact the people in person outside of school, like just as much as remote, we really don't talk to them. Like I really don't talk to my friends in the in-person groups as much, even though I could reach out to them just as easily as the remote people. And I guess that's just because we have very different experiences on our, in our day-to-day lives. Now among your friends, have any of them talked to you about struggles that they're having with the whole situation? Well, I've been to my school, even though I'm in the remote cohort, I have been to my school a few times for like um, tests that just could not possibly be done from home. And I've 
I thought they were doing a pretty good job. Like I was um, pleasantly surprised at how they were handling it um, in person wise. Like they have dots laid out on the floor. So when you're walking in the hallway, you stay six feet apart. And if you want to eat, you really have to just go outside. Like you can't even eat a snack inside because you'd have to take off your mask. So they're handling it well, but my friends did say, of course, different people are going to have their own opinions and handle it differently. So it for them, for the people I know in person, the two main issues are one, some teachers aren't as strict with it as others. And for some people who don't care as much, um, they want a teacher to be in their cohort who, you know, is a little bit more lax so they can still be close to their friends, but other people want a more strict teacher who's going to keep them safe. So most of my friends want the second option, but so Mm -hmm. what obviously people's um, opinions are going to influence them with how they handle it, no matter how strict the rules the school sets out are. Um, And then the other main issue is that like the huge main reason why people wanted to go back to school this year was to see their friends, of course, and be able to see people in person. But we were split up into cohorts, like I said, or pods, whatever you want to call it. And for safety, basically, you don't interact with anyone outside of your pod at all. So one of my friends was really lucky and got paired with like two of her best friends in her her cohort. And she's really liking the experience. They have a teacher that's safe. But I have another friend who really isn't that well acquainted with like anyone in her group and so she just almost wishes she was remote because at least then she would have a little bit more freedom um but so she's stuck in school all day with people she doesn't really get along with so Hmm. basically it's again a social aspect thing but really just like the interactions with people are pretty limited even in person so what's a what's a normal school day look like for you So my schedule is pretty similar to how it was in person. We have math, Spanish, and like a morning meeting in the morning. And then in the afternoons, we alternate between literature book group meetings and our other like, my school schedule is hard to explain, but we have natural world, which is essentially, um, you know, physics, biology, that stuff. And then social world, which is more like social studies and history. Mm -hmm. So our school is split up into different cycles, which are basically semesters. And then in each little cycle, you do the first half with natural world and the first half social world. That's not that important. Um, sure, kind of hard to follow. But so basically, in the afternoon, we'll have natural world or social world, depending on which topic we're learning at that time. But so anyway, my schedule is very similar to how it was before. And we have all of our co-curricular activities on Fridays. I'm pretty sure not a lot of schools do this, but we have gym art drama and music all in one day and we don't have them the rest of the week. It's all on Friday. So, and on that day, even the in-person people are remote. So like everyone's remote on Fridays, but um, anyway, it's okay. kind of, I'm kind of rambling, but my point is my schedule is, it's quite similar, um, which is nice because it's very the routine and the same each day, which I think is pretty essential for remote learning because if you're not going to be there, you have to have a way to stay the same as everyone else and just like, sure. you know, get stuff done. So your day starts at what time? My day starts at 9.15, which is really <clears throat> great, um, especially because sometimes I go up to Michigan, my Michigan house, and then it starts at 10.15. So <laughs> it's definitely nice. And I think the in-person people also start at 9.15 because they try to stagger people getting into school. So the younger right. kids start really early and the older kids, my class starts really late. 
But yeah, it starts at 9.15, ends at about 2.15, and they have designated times where they expect us to be doing asynchronous um, work, but obviously- what, Meaning what? That. Meaning we're not in a Zoom, like we have a lot of Zoom meetings throughout the day for all of our lessons, but there are certain times we have IW, which stands for independent work time, and that's what we had in school at least. And then they have times that they have suggested for us to do IW. But mm -hmm. um, if you're remote, of course, they have no way of enforcing that. And they don't really care when you do work as long as it gets done. So I usually use that time, but sometimes I'll use it as a break and get my work done later in the day. Okay. Now, after the spring term, obviously you went into summer, you, you know, you're, you, you've do, you, you do summer activities and things like that. How did this COVID pandemic situation impact your summer? Oh, well, I usually do a lot of summer camps. It really depends, but um, most of the year, especially because, you know, my parents didn't really feel comfortable leaving me home alone, at least last summer, like some of my friends' parents did. So, and they both have uh, full-time, both had full-time jobs. So like, you know, I had to be somewhere. So that's why I did summer camp. But this summer I didn't do any camps because it just wouldn't really be safe. It was pretty easy to like, you know, cancel them all and stuff. But one thing I did stick with was horseback riding, which is something I've done every summer since I was like five years old. Um, I really enjoy it. And that's luckily like the one activity I can think of <laughs> off the top mm -hmm. of my head that you can actually social distance while doing. And right. I was signed up for like horseback riding camps, which we canceled and then sort of used that money as like a credit to just lessons so that there weren't uh, like 20 kids <laughs> surrounding me all the time. Right. But um I mean, I, I still had fun this summer, but it was certainly different because there's just not as much you can do really. And you kind of get stuck in the house when you're not doing horseback riding or whatever activity. Right. So now you're, you're in eighth grade. I'm certain mm -hmm. that you're looking forward to high school and, yeah. you know, I imagine maybe you also had your eye on that last year as yeah. well. Right. I just think back to when I was at your age and. I was, that was what I was looking for. Mm -hmm. When the pandemic hit, how, particularly this year that you're in eighth grade and there's so much uncertainty about the spring. And now, I mean, there is a vaccine. There are multiple vaccines on the horizon, but by the time normal people like us might be in line to get those, it could be well into 2021. Exactly. So how has this whole situation impacted the process of you moving on to high school? Are you looking at public schools where there's not necessarily an entrance exam versus private schools? And how's all that working out? And where's your head at on the whole situation? Well, I mean, obviously, I don't want to say too much about the high school process, because that would sort of give away where I live. But um, it's certainly very stressful um, for a lot of people my age. I'm not really one to get um, unnecessarily stressed out, but it's definitely something that's on my mind a lot. I'm not really looking into any private schools or public schools that don't have an entrance exam. Um, in my area, there are a lot of good public schools that you have to test into to get into. So that's really where I'm at, where I'm looking at. And it's a bit of a complicated system to sort of the point system to get into those, but um, it's definitely something a lot of my grade is always talking about and um, informing each other about. So, 
yeah, I don't know. Time for a break. We'll be back with more of our conversation right after this. You know, aren't there enough things that cost an arm and a leg when you're running a business? There's really no reason you should be spending five grand or more for a website unless it's doing some pretty whiz-bang stuff. With Squarespace, you don't have to, even with some whiz-bang. With plans starting as low as 12 bucks a month for a personal website, Squarespace has a library of professionally designed templates to start from with easy-to-use tools that let you customize your site to fit your brand. So get that site going today. Just go to youdontsay.net, look for the Squarespace logo on the homepage, click on it, and when you check out, put in the code PARTNER10, again, that's PARTNER, one zero, you'll save 10% off your first subscription on a website or a domain. And if you need help with your site, drop left brain, right brain marketing a call at lbrbm.com. Squarespace, it's the shortest, most cost-effective distance between here and success. Drew Zagorski here. Looking for a home loan? There's only one name you need to know, Teresa Springer of Movement Mortgage. Teresa brings decades of experience in lending, so she and her dedicated team will get you the right loan for your specific needs and probably save you a bundle of time and money in the process. How do I know? She's been my mortgage maven for years. So, no matter where you live, if you're looking for a home loan, call Teresa Springer and the Mavens at Movement Mortgage at 360-798-4161. Or get the ball rolling by going to TeresaSpringer.com forward slash you don't say and clicking on the yellow get started button. Again, that number is 360-798-4161 and the website is TeresaSpringer.com forward slash you don't say. Phonetically, that's there's a Springer.com forward slash you don't say. Teresa Springer, NMLS 70667. Movement Mortgage LLC supports equal housing opportunity. NMLS ID 39179. For licensing information, go to www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. Movement Mortgage LLC is licensed by California Department of Business Oversight under the California Residential Mortgage Lending Act number 41310054, Oregon ML 5081, Washington CL-39179. Interest rates and products are subject to change without notice and may or may not be available at the time of the loan commitment or lock-in. Borrowers must qualify for all benefits. Movement Mortgage is a registered trademark of the Movement Mortgage LLC, a Delaware limited liability company. Phew! So, <laughs> so how, how have those, because you're coming into, I think the season where those exams are, are having to take place. Oh right? yeah. We're already in that. And, yeah. And so how is that all being handled? Oh, um, yes, that's a great question. Um, we, the tests are administered by different, um, you know, different people. So it really depends. Like there's the map test, which, um, is a standardized test that, um, students all over the country, I think, have to take. It might vary which test it is, depending on what region you live in. But that is standardized. Um, it's something different schools might do practice tests for that. Like my school, we've been doing practice tests for that twice a year since I was in third grade. So I was very prepared for how that test works. But I know some schools don't really do practice tests at all. So this year, it certainly depending on what school you go to, it was a very different experience. But for me, essentially, I went to a local high school that's very big, where they had rooms set up where desks were spread apart. There was like a desk, every other desk had tape over it. So you couldn't sit there so that they were spaced out. Mm -hmm. And um, 
they basically just told us the instructions and told us to take the test. Um, right. But right. we were so other all than, in masks. So other than that, that, that social distancing aspect and probably timing when people are coming into the building, like they're doing. Yes. Uh, coming into the, the building are, was yeah. Yeah. Kind of different. We had to, we were assigned a time to come in and a door again, this was a really big school, but there, it was also being done at different schools as well. Um, but we, it was definitely staggered and kind of confusing because I've never been to that school before. So getting there was kind of a challenge. Okay. Now, assuming you get to the school of your choice, like I said, 2021, it appears we're on the right path and things are, are shifting such that we're going to be going down that path. Mm-hmm. But you never know what can happen and how long things really will take once the process starts. Has it um, weighed on your mind at all about starting high school and the potential of having to start high school remotely? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I haven't thought about it that much because it's not a situation I have any control over. But on one hand, it would be so disappointing to have to start high school remotely because assuming I go to a public high school, which is my goal to go to test into one of those um, Mm -hmm. good schools, it's going to be very different because I go to a private Montessori school and my classroom has two grades in it and there are uh, 58 students. So it's, Mm. my school is very small. (laughs) Um, And going from that to a school, even a normal size school in most people's eyes would be huge to me. And so I really think, you know, going in person would be the best way to just get accustomed to it really quickly. But um, obviously, I don't want to do that if it's not going to be safe. So like I said, it's nothing I have any control over, but it's definitely it would definitely be a huge bummer if I had to start remotely. But right, it, it, right. not saying that I would want to um, go in person if it wasn't safe, you know. During this whole situation, Quinn, what? What's the biggest thing that you've learned about yourself through all of this? Um, that's a deep question. I guess just that I need a, probably that I need a schedule because initially with our, I think my school's remote program has vastly improved. Um, but initially when we went remote, we didn't have that many synced meetings like on zoom or uh, Google meets or whatever. And we just sort of did work asynchronously. That's a a word they like to use a lot. Um, Mm -hmm. We did work on our own and that, that was when I got really just had a huge burden of all this work. And it was the most confusing part was that more than half of my classroom did not seem to feel the same way. And they thought the work was manageable, easy, even they just thought the work was um, even easier than in school and me and, you know, probably, I don't know, a third of my classroom felt the opposite. So definitely without having a schedule, I think that was really the differentiator, not who's smarter or who's faster at learning. It was really just who needs a schedule. And that's why this group, including myself, were feeling so stressed and bogged down with work because, we just, yeah, we needed a strict schedule to keep us going and stay on top of our schoolwork. And now we have that in the remote cohort. And I think it's much better. So do you think 
you'll use that tool set outside of school as well? Um, for sure. Like I, I'm someone who definitely tends to procrastinate, but, um, being able to build a schedule for myself, that was something I sort of had to learn to do with our initial remote program, because like I said, it was pretty lax and I figured out very quickly that I needed a stricter schedule or more strict. Um, and so I sort of started to make a schedule for myself. Now, did I follow that exactly? No, but it certainly helped a little bit. And I think being able to do that for myself with, I don't know, a job in the future or whatever I'm doing, it will definitely help me. Yes. Right. Having a plan. It's always a good yep, thing. Exactly. Start, start your day by making your bed. Yes. <laughs> so you know, the, in thinking about our conversation, I was going back in time. And when I was in sixth, seventh and eighth grade, I really, that's when I really started to pay attention to and, and be aware of politics and world affairs. And it was really fascinating to me. So maybe that's just me. I don't know. But, you know, while all of this is happening, there's all these other issues in our world, in our country the the news media is dishing it up with a fire hose into our mouths you know have you been paying attention to that stuff and how has all of that other stuff impacted the stuff you're dealing with just in terms of pandemic 100% i have been um one thing that i love about my school is we always take time to keep up with current events even in our remote cohort um we're always talking about politics like my school, I know some schools are afraid to talk about politics because they don't want to sort of seem like they have an opinion and like they're forcing one side onto students or they don't want students to clash. But my school really values um, debate and having, you know, helpful discussions like most, for example, most of our book group or literature assignments that we do are just having a group discussion about the book and the topics that it brings up. So we really do a lot of discussion-based learning. So that's great for politics. Like when the election was going on, or at least in the beginning, we were talking about it and the students, we all try to best not to insert our personal opinion, but we pretty much share opinions anyway. Um, but so, yes, we have been keeping up on current events in school and even outside of school. And this might surprise some people, but my grade has a texting group um, with everyone, pretty much everyone that has a phone in our grade. And we're, most of the stuff on there is about current events, people sending articles saying, oh my gosh, did you see what happened? Or I can't believe such and such politician did such and such, you know? So yes, I've been keeping up on current events. Um, that's one thing I love about my community. And it, it doesn't necessarily impact me. I mean, the current events, like, you know, events that are going on that, do affect me like the election of course um but things outside of my country you know <laughs> they don't affect me nearly as much but i'm still keeping up on them and it definitely makes you think i think there's a certain value to discussions like i said um i don't really know how much world global events impacts me but you know in my country of course it does and Thinking about current events definitely does impact my life. Yeah. So what would you most want to say to the people who 
are in charge of dealing with the pandemic and how we move forward on some of the social issues that we've really kind of bubbled up over the past couple of years. Like I was saying before, discussion is important. So if people, Amen. yeah, if people are feeling uninformed or like, I don't know, like you don't know what's happening, inform yourself. And I guess it's just important to know what's happening so that you can have an opinion. I think one of the one of the biggest problems nowadays, I sound like I sound way older than I am saying nowadays, but one, mm-hmm. one of the most important, impactful things in politics and just the news nowadays is people having opinions on things that they don't fully understand. So right. a basic understanding is key to, you know, facts, facts matter. Exactly. Yeah. So I guess that would be what I would say is inform yourself before uh, spreading your opinion around. Right. Well, Quinn, that's a good, that's a good take and something that you, you uh, need to spread around and get other people thinking about mm-hmm. and probably more, more people who are adults than people in your own <laughs> age group. Um, but if you have that mentality and the kids and friends that you have, you're hanging around with, um, we're going to be in good shape in the future. Any other thoughts or, or comments about the past eight, 10 months in, in this whole thing and, and things that you've seen, heard, learned? Well, I don't know. Like I said, I think one of the most important things is having a schedule for yourself. Although that depends on who you are. Like if you're a, someone who does need that, like I do. Um, I don't know. I think it's interesting because I guess on the news, the most thing that you hear about about COVID-19 and the pandemic is how it affects people physically, you know, all the people dying, um, getting sick with COVID, which of course is a huge problem. Um, But I think something that's not discussed as much as it needs to be is just the emotional impact on people. Um, I'm lucky enough, I don't have really any issues with that. I'm certainly stressed sometimes, but that's about it for me. But Mm -hmm. some of my friends, it affects the pandemic has affected them mentally and emotionally far more than it has for me. And, you know, lots of people all over the world are, are I don't know, feeling yeah, so, depressed or stressed. And I think that's important. That, yeah. That's important has that learned. been, has that been kind of the situation with some of your friends is the uh, sadness or depression and fear and all that kind of stuff? It, yeah. Especially with, you know, more extroverted people who are used to, having a support group that they can see and talk to all the time. I think those um, types of people are definitely, it's definitely hitting them quite hard because, you know, for some people, their emotional outlet or I don't know, ways to handle their own mental health is doesn't really have to do with talking to others, but it certainly does for a lot of people. And that's a problem because sure you can talk to people, but it's certainly not the same as, being in person with them and being able to hug people and um, all that jazz. So definitely I know people who have been really mentally affected in a negative way by the pandemic. Um, Yeah. Hugs are awesome. Yes. So not that that's really as interesting as, or, you know, um, 
immediately impacting as the things discussed on the news. Like I was saying, like, you know, the death rates and stuff are obviously more in the now important, but I think that's something we could benefit from discussing more. Maybe. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So Quinn, I'm going to wrap up here. This is the fun part. Um, one of my favorite shows is called the actor's studio where they would interview actors and theater mm-hmm. performers and that sort of thing. And they finished that show with a 10 question survey. It's always the same questions. So okay. now I'm putting you on the spot. Okay. So here we go. What's your favorite word? Crunch. <laughs> What's your least favorite word? Moist. What I makes you know. happy? Music, I suppose. What turns you off? People who don't listen to you. <laughs> What sound or noise do you love? Uh, rain. Sound of rain. What sound or noise do you hate? Nails on a chalkboard. Pretty sure everyone can agree with that. Okay. What's your favorite curse word? Uh, <laughs> that's... Don't know if my uh, parents are listening to this. Um, I don't really have one. Um, the... F word. I don't know. <laughs> this is okay. Yeah, sure. There you go. What profession would you like to attempt? Uh, being an author, creative writer, author type thing. Yeah. What profession would you not like to do? Uh, I don't know. Owning uh, something stressful like a restaurant. Owning a restaurant that would be really stressful, as I know okay. from experience. If there is such a thing as heaven, what would you what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? These are great questions. Um, that I am awesome and I deserve to be there. <laughs> all right. Well, Quinn, that's all I got. <laughs> I really appreciate you talking to me about your experience with remote learning and all the different aspects of it. Uh, not just in terms of schoolwork, but social life, uh, mental health and all that kind of thing. I think you've got a lot of good ideas and, you know, keep the dialogue going with your friends, even if what they're saying is against every impulse that you have that says it's a good, that says it's a bad idea. Yeah. You know, ask them why, inform, seek out information yourself, listen to news stories from sources that you don't necessarily like it helps yeah. you get a good perspective on it's okay things. to have and, different opinions than yep. people you like <laughs> yeah i think you got a, i think you got a good handle on things quinn and i Thank appreciate you. uh spending some time with you so yeah my uh, pleasure yep this is drew zagorski you don't say peace Thanks for listening. If you have a story to tell, shoot me an email to info at youdontsay.net. And don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at YDS Stories. Thanks again, and see you on the next episode.